Shalom. Hi. Uh, today, as usual, I want to look at a halachic legal concept and try and see what this legal concept says about uh, all sorts of other things. Um, more specifically, maybe I'll be less abstract, um, I want to look at the concept of shaliach. Shaliach is uh, an agent someone acting on someone else's behalf. And as usual, looking at the, the boundaries of, uh, or the definition of a shaliach helps us maybe understand what it is to be anything, to be a person, for example. Um, where do we encounter this idea of shaliach? All sorts of places. Uh, in the ritual world, uh, in the synagogue, for example, very often you see strange things happening, like uh, one person is called to the Torah and says a blessing about reading the reading from the Torah, and then someone completely different reads from the Torah for them. Right? So why should it be so? Why should one person say a blessing and the other person do the action um, on their behalf? Right? And the person who says the blessing gets all the honors and so on. Uh, the same is with uh, lighting Shabbat candles, right? Everyone has this obligation to light Shabbat candles, but usually only one person in the household does it. Um, and the other people, their, their obligation is discharged. They've checked the box uh, by that one person, usually usually uh, I got a woman in the house doing it. Um, why should it be so? Why should it be so that one person does the action that everyone is meant to be doing? Um, and it comes up in all sorts of other places, also in the laws of marriage and laws of divorce, um, and uh, all sorts of communal situations. And basically, seeing how it works, maybe the mechanism of it, allows us to understand the bonds that hold a community together, that allow people to, to communicate or to be able to do things for each other and with each other. Um, that was a long introduction, but let me just give um, one or two sources of where this idea comes from. Maybe the earliest source is a comment on the book of Exodus, where in the book of Exodus, um, they're kind of they're preparing the first Pesach in history, coming out of Egypt, and they're told to bring a Pesach sacrifice, um, and each family or each uh, multi-family household is meant to bring one lamb for a sacrifice, uh, and then the verse says, on the fourteenth of the month. Uh, the entire congregation of Israel slaughtered it at twilight. And then they ask, or the, the ancient commentary, the Mechilta, asks, what does it mean the whole entire congregation of Israel shall slaughter it? It's not everyone, it's one per family. Um, and from this we learn, they say, that one's shaliach is regarded as oneself. If someone is appointed to do something for you, like offer the Pesach sacrifice, then it's as if you did it yourself. 
Um, so that's from the realm of sacrifice. We also have a, a source that speaks about a, a function that we still have today called a shaliach tzibur, an agent or a messenger of the public for prayer. That's also a strange thing, right? How can it be if I'm meant to pray every day, but I stand in a synagogue and someone else prays for me? That's, that's enough, right? I kind of, by my going to the synagogue, it's as if, as if I appointed that person to be my, my messenger. Um, and in the Mishnah, it talks about uh, kind of fluency in praying, um, which is a subject for a whole other shiur I'd love to do at some point. Uh, what does it mean to, to pray fluently, right? It's not just pronouncing the words. There's this kind of flow that either you're in or you're not in, right? So the Mishnah says, one who prays and makes a mistake in the prayer, it's a bad sign for him. And if the person who erred, the person who made a mistake, is the shaliach tzibul, this messenger of the community, it's a bad omen for everyone who sent him, because one shaliach is like oneself. They said about Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa that he would pray on behalf of the sick and would say, this person shall live. And this person shall die. When they said to him, how do you know this? He said to them, I know that if my prayer is fluent in my mouth, I know that my prayer is accepted. And if not, I know that my prayer is rejected. So we have a, a statement and we have a story. As always, the, the connection between the statements and the story is unclear. Right? Is he a, an example of a Shaliyah Tzibur, this messenger of the community? Um, is he an example of uh, the bad omen, bad sign? It's not clear. It's a very powerful story. Uh, but he, he would know, he would like get a sign from God. Uh, through that the style of his prayer, you get a sign of whether the prayer was being accepted or not. In any case, we have this um, this concept <coughs> of a messenger also in prayer. Now, we have all sorts of rules come up in discussions. Uh, I can only give a summary here, really, we will take the, the most boring text is the Shulchan Aruch. It's not boring, but uh, um, maybe the, the driest text with, without so many uh, discussions. We have uh, a description here. First of all, when it talks about who can be a shaliach, who can be an agent, uh, first it says only Jews for each other. Right? Only a Jew for a Jew. Um, and that's already raises the question, why? Right? In the Talmud that's discussed, but here the, it, one, one side of the debate is brought down. Um, 
And then the Shulchan Aruch continues to say everyone can be, within that, right? Everyone can be a, a shaliach, an agent. Men, women, slaves. Why? There's two conditions given here. Uh, they all have da'at. They all have some kind of consciousness or intellectual capacity. And they are all obligated in some mitzvot, in some commandments. Therefore, they can be agents. Um, but someone who doesn't have da'at, right? someone who's mentally handicapped or a small child, cannot become an agent. It's, a, it's an interesting question. Why, like, why are those the two things needed? When I say, I don't know, um, the, the, if, I, if I send my son to, um, to the shop to buy something, right? And then the, that thing is damaged on the way. So according to this, it it's not it doesn't even belong to me. I don't have to. The the, the sh shopkeeper still owns it, because if I send my small child, that small child isn't acting on my behalf. It doesn't. It's not a real. It wasn't a real transaction. It wasn't a real messenger. Right. Um, that's maybe a small example, but uh, we have kind of more extreme examples where uh, the, the Mishnah says, if, if you send a fire, or you send like a, a burning fire uh, in the hands of a small child and it burns a field or whatever, the one who sent it is exempt according to human law, but liable according to the laws of heaven. And so according to this source, the person who, who sent in the hands of a shaliach who's not really a shaliach doesn't get punished. Okay. Um, and if he sent it in the hands of a halachically competent person, right? If I, like, if I send my friend with a fire uh, to go in a field, right? Or, or to something dangerous or bad, uh, who's, who's punished for that? It's the messenger, the shaliach. They're, they're liable for all damages. Why is that? And then we're introduced to a, to a new concept. Um, even though we say that the, the status of a shaliach is like the person who's sent them, uh, we have a new concept that says, en shaliach ledvara there's no such thing as agency for a transgression. If there's a transgression, then the, the person who's sent isn't an extension of yourself. The person who's sent is, is liable, right? So it seems here we have, let's, let's count, we have uh, three conditions at least for what it means to be a shaliach. The first is to have some kind of consciousness. The second is to have um, some kind of obligation. And the third, I would say, the third is 
you have to have some kind of responsibility or even to be a shaliach, you have to be able to refuse being, being a shaliach. And you, if you can't refuse, then maybe you're not, you're not a shaliach and you're not responsible in that way. But also you're not, it, it, it's not working on the same mechanism. Um, I want to finish off with a Hasidic text. <laughs> and uh, this is from, from Likutei Halachot, uh, written by Rabbi Natan, a student of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. Uh, and he tries to tie all these, these conditions together. And he says, why is one's agent like oneself? This is because all the souls of Israel are one. Their root is from a source called Kulot Echad Kulotov. All is one, all is good. As it says in Exodus, there's a proof for this. Um, when it says that, that there were 70 people uh, who came from the family of Jacob down to Egypt, it uses the singular. It says all the soul coming from the house of Jacob was 70 soul in the singular. Therefore, one's agent really is like oneself because they have the same soul. Um, he plays around with this a little bit. He says, uh, well, how is it? Because everyone's part of the same covenant and this covenant is based on a faith in the unity of God. And so agency is part of that covenant because it's based on a, another kind of unity of the person sending and the person doing. Um, and this explains why a child cannot, can neither be nor appoint an agent. This place of all is one, all is good, is, it comes from a place of consciousness, it's the perfection of consciousness. It's connected to the prophecy and on that day, God will be one and God's name will be one, which is the revelation of consciousness, right? There's a kind of, there's a prophecy where one day in the future, everything will make sense. And every time you perfect your, your consciousness, more things make sense and you come closer to, to achieving this prophecy. Um, and that act of, of the mind, of, of understanding that God is one and God's name is one, whatever that means, we're not, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I, I don't know. Things to me seem very split up usually. But since that's a, a, an act of consciousness, and that's the root of um, agency, a child whose consciousness is not yet complete can't become an agency. Since agency depends on oneness, which depends on consciousness. It's a bit hard to follow, but I hope uh, uh, there's something here, because he ends with also a nice idea. This also explains why there is no agency for transgression, since transgression separates one from the source of oneness. Therefore, transgression damages the unity upon which agency depends. And this brings us to just a nice idea of how community works. It's on a, a kind of spiritual level. How is it that we, we do things for each other? 
It's because something in each of us resonates in the other person. And when the other person uh, understands what it is that, uh, that I, I need them to do, then they really are doing it on my behalf because something in me is, is in them. And uh, there's probably a lot more we could say about that, but let's stop here. Um, wishing everyone a good week and see you soon.